Welcome to You Need a Coach, Bitch. I'm your host, Chris Hale. I'm a certified life coach and coach instructor. I'm also a master dance educator and self-proclaimed Zenial Pop Diva. Every week, I bring you a conversation to help you harness your inner authority by popping the patriarchy and crafting the life of your dreams. Are you ready to unleash your inner creator? Let's go. Hey friends, what is up? How are we doing? I'm doing great. I'm a little bit tired though. (laughs) I'm recording this on a Monday, which I don't usually do, but I have the time and I had the inspiration. And just a little note about that. I've talked about this before in terms of my schedule. It's kind of loose. Um, and normally Wednesday is podcast day because the podcast comes out on Thursday. But sometimes we do just like get that hit of inspiration or motivation or whatever you want to call it. And I don't think there's any problem with giving ourselves those little detours. What I do think can become problematic is if we just live that way all the time. So I'm noticing that I got really loose with my schedule, especially in the last couple of weeks of summer. And that kind of burnt me out a little bit because um, that decision-making process of like, what am I doing? When am I doing it? What needs to get done? And like having things kind of living up in the cloud and not having specific anchors actually expends a lot of energy. So I'm really kind of trying to get back into planning a bit more, having a little bit more of an anchored schedule. And I just, I want to just say that there is a value in that, especially my creatives, right? Like we want to just be able to go with the flow all the time and the flow is important. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it is, it's also important to make sure that we are, preserving our energy, right? We, I talked about this before. You are your most important asset. And does going with that flow zap your energy or does it actually like give you energy? And so you get to decide for that for yourself. Sometimes I'm feeling like it's zapping my energy because it's requiring more attention from me than I want to give it. So that's that. Um, I also reminds me of this reel that I did where this girl's like, yeah, no, I would love to go with the flow, but like, what time does the flow start? Um, so if you're not following me on Instagram, I'm pretty sure that reel is on there somewhere. It's definitely on TikTok, although I don't interact with TikTok very much. I'm pretty sure it's there. Um, anyway, the reason why, so I'm I'm here, just that tangent, but the reason why I'm a little bit tired is because I spent the weekend in Philly, um, and I had the best time, but I didn't sleep great, uh, mostly because I, I still went to bed at normal time, but like I ate and drank more than I normally would, and I think it affected my sleep, and I never really sleep that great at hotel rooms, like... I'm always just like a little bit more on edge in a hotel room and it takes me like a day or two to kind of get acclimated and then I sleep fine. But if I'm only there for two nights, <laughs> not the best sleep. So yeah, the reason why I'm inspired though is because as I mentioned on last week's show, um, I went to see Abraham Hicks live in Philly and it was a pretty cool experience. Um, 
And if you don't know who that is, I'll give you like a little brief breakdown. So Abraham is a collection of like non-physical entities that speak through a woman named Esther Hicks. She doesn't specifically call it channeling. Some people call it channeling, but she sort of calls it like she's interpreting the messages from infinite intelligence. Um, Like this infinite, like these beings are giving her messages and the message and the beings are coming from like infinite intelligence. So basically like, you know, kind of that inner wisdom we all have, the wisdom of the universe, and she's able to sort of tap into this. And um, she has co-written books with her uh, late husband, Jerry, and it's all on the law of attraction. So that's that's their jam is the law of attraction. Yeah. And so she does these workshops where she answers questions from audience members while she's tapped into this intelligent, the intelligence of Abraham. Now, whether you believe that she's actually doing this or not, it doesn't matter. Because if you listen to what's being said, you're going to basically hear like the same lessons that we're all teaching, right? Whether it's coaches or philosophers, whether you're reading from like Jesus or Buddha, right? The root is all the same. One of the main messages that I think is really important is that, right, suffering is created by our mind. And it's created by our mind when we are resisting what is. And when we're resisting what is, we're holding ourselves back from what is possible for us. Think about it. Like when you focus more on what has gone wrong in the past, that's holding you in that space. What do you do when you're focused on what is like the past and all the things that happened in the past that you wish didn't happen, right? I've talked about this before about arguing with reality. If I argue with the past, I'm always going to lose because the past happened, right? And the time that I spend arguing with the past, I'm not taking steps to create a different future. Same thing with the present moment, right? If I'm arguing with what's going on in the present moment versus deciding what's possible for myself in the future, I don't ever create the future I want. And that's where the suffering comes in is because I'm in resistance to what's going on, so I suffer. If I could get into the space where I'm accepting what's happened or is happening, that's the space that I can actually make decisions from especially as it pertains to what I want to create from that point on. So that's basically what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what is possible. When you think of what is possible for you, where do you go to get the answer? Most of us do go to the past, and it's either our past or someone else's. And now, this can be useful, but it's also super limiting Because think about it, if you're a creator, your job is to be birthing new things into the world that have never existed before. So if we're only ever looking at what has been as the reference point, we just keep reiterating based on what's already exists, and we're just creating the same thing over and over and over again with slight changes, Versus really going inside and like tapping into your own creativity and deciding what is what you're capable of with all the things that exist within you and then putting something fresh and new out into the world. And there is one little caveat, or at least only one that I think is relevant, and that's about representation. 
Representation fucking matters. I've talked about this before, but uh, recently I was watching um, some reels um, on Erica Alexander's Instagram. If you don't know who she is, she's an actress. Um, I think producer. She probably directs. I don't know. She probably does all the things. She's fierce. But she's probably best known for her role as, um, or two different roles. One is as Cousin Pam on The Cosby Show. The other one is Maxine Shaw on Living Single. And to just tie everything in, I recently saw her on um, an episode of Grey's Anatomy in my rewatch. So we're just, Grey's is always present in the world. Anyway, I can't find the exact video anymore that I was watching, but she was quoting Billie Jean King saying, um, and and the quote is, if you can see it, you can be it. And this is so true, right? We know what it does for people to have stories told about them or to see themselves reflected in characters that have been predominantly played by like cis, straight, white actors, right? Like there's literally nothing more heartwarming to me right now than seeing little black girls react to Halle Bailey um, as Ariel for the first time. Um, and I've already talked about like the pain I felt when I was watching Heartstopper and realizing that I really needed that kind of positive queer representation so much sooner in my life and I didn't have it, right? So it, it signals that there is a, is a place for us. It gives us something to connect to. But here's the thing, right? Someone had to be the first. And Oftentimes, what holds us all back is not wanting to be that first, right? Being afraid of being the one that steps out in front and claims that space. It's not, it doesn't feel safe, right? To step outside of the pack, to step outside of the group, but someone has to do it. So if you notice that there is a space where the voice or presence of someone like you is missing, You can be the representation you need in that space and therefore become that representation for others. So I just want to put that out there because it does, right? It does matter that we show up and, but it doesn't have to be complicated, right? Like you just showing up in the world, you don't know how that's going to impact other people. And sometimes it's going to feel really risky to be that first one. And what I want to offer to you today is that it doesn't have to happen overnight. It actually can't. You need to build belief in yourself incrementally so that you can reach for things that your mind wants to tell you are impossible. It's a practice. It takes commitment. It takes like a willingness to get shit wrong over and over and over and over again It takes risk. It takes facing not only what others will say about you, but the places where you're going to agree with them. It takes facing that. Those are the things that usually sting the most, right? Like when someone says something about you and and you already believe it about yourself, it's almost like they're co-signing and it makes it more true. It doesn't necessarily mean it's true. Just because your, you know, asshole brain thought it up doesn't mean it's true about you. And it especially doesn't mean it's true about you just because someone else is offering you the same thought about you. Now, here's the thing. Most of us have bought into some social conditioning that is telling us we can't be, do, or have what we want. I talked about this last week around money. As creatives, we were told either straight up or like implicitly that artists don't make money. 
that there are only ever like a few exceptions. Think about actors, right? Like you can't be successful unless like you're an A-lister, like a Julia Roberts or a Nicole Kidman. And clearly when we, we look at mainstream examples, right? Again, about representation, if you're queer or black, you're even less likely to be able to have a chance. But here's where we need to kind of start to pick things apart. What is the chance you even want? This is where we get really clear on what it what it even means to be successful for you. Does that mean famous? Because there are lots of well-known actors that actually don't have money for whatever reason, right? They spent it or they just don't get paid a lot because they, again, maybe they don't believe that they can demand a certain price, right? Um, doesn't mean being rich because there are plenty of creatives across all mediums that have lots of money and you don't even know who the fuck they are, right? Does it mean that all your income needs to come from your artistic endeavors? Because most celebrities' wealth actually comes from multiple streams, and yet we don't usually think of them as having side hustles, but like a contract with L'Oreal can pay more than starring in a feature film, right? So they get these deals, like these endorsement deals, these product deals, and that's a lot of times where the bulk of money can come from. So you know, what do you actually want to achieve? What do you want to believe is possible for you? And next, we want to look at where does that definition come from? So if we think back to the episode on compare and create, we really don't want to measure our success based on someone else's. Representation is going to give me an example, right, that people like me can achieve their dreams. But whose dream am I pursuing? I know this can seem a little bit daunting, but I I want you to go through the work of understanding and defining for yourself, by yourself, what it is that you want to go after. And the reason is because you're never going to really be satisfied with what you create if you're creating it because it's what you think you should be creating, right? We've talked about shooting on yourself. Anytime we should on ourselves, it actually keeps us from our own desire. And a little like tangent on desire, um, coming from my in- inspiration from Abraham this weekend. Most of us, they talk about this um, in their workshops and their books, but most of us don't actually know what pure desire feels like. We know what it feels like um, to want something from a place of not having it, right? But that doesn't feel good. That's not pure desire. That's not, they, they describe it as like um, the feeling of pure desire as fresh, eager, a feeling of expectancy, right? Like you expect that the things are going to happen, not that like tinge of doubt, right? Or longing or wanting, that comes from the not having. So this is going to take some work because when you start to sit down and really think about what you want, the voices in your head are going to come up, right? That are going to start like telling you all these things about like how you don't deserve it or that you shouldn't want what you want, etc. So that's so that's just like a little bit about desire and maybe I'll talk more about that or I'll do an entire episode about like how to how to want things or how to know what you want, but Right now, we are talking about possibility. (laughs) So back to the idea of like defining what you want based on 
what lights you up versus what you think you should want. This happens really often with my clients that pursue careers for money, right? And then they completely turn their backs on things that light them up. Now, there is nothing wrong with choosing money, but the reason they turn their back on their creative desires is not because of the money. It's because of their thinking, One of the thoughts is the belief that they can't do both. In that case, the thing I'm going to help them with is believing it's possible to have both things in their life. I'm going to ask them questions about like, how are they already being creative in the job they have? Or are they, are they using their creativity in their free time and why not? So I think what might be most helpful here is if I walk you through the collection of thoughts that creates this kind of situation And notice how one false premise can lead to a whole leaning tower of other untrue thoughts that your mind just believes is true. So you start out thinking that you have to choose between the security of a corporate or otherwise well-paying job and the creative path you desire, right? That's already like a false binary, like it's either one or the other. Why do you think this, though? It's because you made up a story about the creative path that you think is all facts, right? There is no money in it. You have to devote your entire life to it to do it at the level you want. You're not good enough. You'll never be able to make a living at it. So when you believe all these things, it's much easier to believe that the other path is the more stable path. But what if it's not true that you'd have to devote your entire life to it? What if it's possible to have the job that pays, the big money, right? And that it also funds your creative projects. And if that can be true, what else might be true? This is how we open your mind to considering all the possibilities that are available to you. We find a thought that you believe is just true and we start picking it apart. When we've poked enough holes in it, the entire system of beliefs starts to crumble. Then it's easier to believe something like, it's possible to make money pursuing my art. And this would be the beginning of a thought ladder. So a thought ladder is where you build belief in a new thought by taking small steps toward it, like going up the like one rung at a time up a ladder. That's why it's called a ladder thought. So one of the main issues with trying to achieve anything is usually wanting to go from a thought like, I can't make money doing this, to something way more extreme, like I can replace my current income with this endeavor. There are a lot of other thoughts in between those thoughts that you will have to practice believing and then create evidence for, right? So some of, it's going to look like this. It's possible to make money. Next is, I can make money. Next is, I can make enough money to support myself. Then we get to, I can replace my current income. I can make more than I make now. So each one of those thoughts will have its own level of resistance that you'll need to work through. Once you finally believe that thought is true and you feel it like you're just stating a fact, that's when it's going to be time to move on to the next level. 
It doesn't have to be 100% of the time, right? It, But over 50%, right? You have to believe it at at least 50% for it to be believable enough for you to actually create a result from it. Another thing that really stops people from dreaming about what is possible is that they look at the them, the person they are right now, and they try to imagine living the life their future self would be living. And it's really hard for us to imagine the scope of what would need to change for us to have what we want. I talked about this too in the comparison episode, right? When I think about all the things I want, I get stressed out about having the bandwidth to complete all of it. I'm not considering the machine that would also need to be in place to support me. My machine now is just me. So no, I could not be traveling, doing talks, writing books, coaching, marketing, podcasting. Like I'm a, I'm working alone. I can't do all of that myself. I don't personally have the bandwidth for it. Maybe someone else does. But it makes perfect sense that I would be completely exhausted thinking about it from where I am now. So what I need to be able to do is to to not know exactly what things are going to look like in the future because I can't really know. I cannot plan that far in advance or predict what all my needs will be. What I can do is trust that I will be able to address getting those needs met when they come up. And limit myself to only thinking so far into the future. If I constrain myself to thinking, right, two weeks, five weeks, ten weeks into the future, I can reasonably imagine that from where I am right now. With five years, the best I can do is set a goal and imagine working backwards from there what I would need to do. And it's going to be more of those big goals. So like, you know, in two years, I need to be at this place. In three years, I need to be at this place. But I don't really know, right? Because I could actually get there in a shorter amount of time. I have way more access to the near future. Because here's the thing, like we tend to underestimate what we can do in a long period of time, but overestimate what we can do in a short period of time. So if I can remember that, I can keep myself on track and be like, okay, is it realistic that I can create this result in the next five weeks? What's more realistic, right? Looking at what I'm, what I'm doing right now. So that's just keeping things in perspective and not overwhelming ourselves with thinking we need to be the person we're going to be five years from now. What I can do now is I can access the emotions that I would be feeling when I get to that place, and that's going to be way more useful. And that kind of brings me to this like last point, and that is I really need to be honest with myself about the fact that it's going to be a 50-50 experience. Because often when we project to the future, we're telling ourselves stories about how perfect and amazing everything will be. And we're not being real about the range of emotions we're going to feel. Part of this is because, again, we base things on our past. But in this case, it's not the truth of our past, right? It's the romanticized version of our past. Where we are now on the other side of all the turmoil right? We're like grateful for the lessons. We wouldn't have it any other way. 
you know, like, oh, it was a struggle, but it made me stronger. Like, we tell ourselves all this shit about the past. But remember, hindsight is twenty twenty, girl. You were failing. You were flailing around. You were desperate. You were graspy. You were a hot fucking mess for large portions of that journey that got you where you are now. And that's okay. You will be again. And the difference is, is that you can prepare yourself for how you want to show up for yourself when that shit comes up. I have to say, this is one of the things that I spend most of my time preparing my clients for, the messy middle. When all the insecurity and shame and imposter syndrome comes back up, I ask them how they want to interact with their brains. This is where we have the choice. It's it's in how we handle ourselves. We start to like recognize that like, we, we can decide how we want to show up with others, but it's, it's really much harder for us to believe that we can do it with ourselves, but you can. You can absolutely decide ahead of time, being realistic, like if you know you have anxiety, you can realistically say, okay, I know that I'm going to get anxious. All right, what, what is the most compassionate way I can show up for myself when I'm having this anxious moment, when I'm in anxiety. And you can make a plan. Is it going to be perfect? Probably not. But having some kind of plan is better than walking around believing that you're never going to experience anything difficult and then having it smack you in the face and being like, I don't know where the fuck this came from. Why do I feel like shit right now? You're going to feel like shit half the time. So just be cool with it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So... Now that I shook your brain up a bit, I just, I want you to sit back, take a breath, and I want you to think about what is possible for you. What do you want to believe is possible for you? So maybe right now it's hard to access what you think is possible, but what would you like to believe is possible? One of the things that can bring this up is what are you telling yourself you can't have and why are you telling yourself that? Where did that come from? So that's going to be an indication of like a thought that you need to clear out because you get to choose whether or not you continue to believe it. And if you don't, what do you want to believe instead? And then you're just going to start there and you're going to work on building belief around that. All right, my friends. That is what's up this week. I hope that you all have an amazing, amazing, amazing week. If you are loving the podcast, it's time to put a ring on it. It would mean the world to me if you would do one or all of these things. First off, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts or all the places podcasts are available if you want to be extra. While you're there, giving a five-star rating and leaving a review would be epic. And lastly, spreading the love by sharing your favorite episode would be beyond. Thanks, love. We'll talk soon.